The Musician's Musician Podcast is brought to you by you. For real. We rely on listener donations to grow the show, so if you'd like to support what we do, you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. Just follow the link in the description. It's super easy because PayPal. A huge thanks to those of you who have already given. We also want to ask if you could be so kind as to rate and subscribe to the program on whatever platform you use to listen to us. It helps the show reach more ears, and we love your feedback. Okay, on to the show. Welcome to the Musician's Musician. So, quick note, this ended up being a two-part series. We did not anticipate doing that, but Napalm Death is one of those groups that there is so much to unpack that we ended up rambling quite a bit more than we were planning on. So we literally just split the episode down the middle. And what you're about to hear is part one and part two will be following later. We hope you stay tuned. Both are jam-packed full of really good content and we hope you enjoy it all. All right, all right. Well, welcome to the Musicians Musician Podcast. This is Parker, and of course, on the other end, we have Max. What's up, Max? Man, it's a. Uh, I'm I'm excited for this one. This is a. Uh, As am I, I. I don't think anyone's prepared for how we're going to present this because we. And I, I think I sh- I'll just start it off right now. We we don't necessarily want you to listen to this band. Yeah, that that is not the goal per se of this episode unlike the tigran episode but yeah but uh speaking of tigran there have been a couple of recent events that we wanted to hit on really quick Uh, music is always political whether you believe that or not it's true Mm. and tigran has been actively well very politically active lately on social media regarding the armenian azerbaijani conflict that's something that really hasn't been shown in the news and is a very important thing worldwide. Definitely. And as you may recall in the episode that we covered Tigran in, his album Luis Iloso that he did with a choir uh, was commemorating the 100th anniversary of the Armenian Genocide. He has a number of albums that are devoted to Armenia, so he's very much, uh, his heart is there. So that's something to kind of be informed with in regards to this is certainly informing Tigran's art, I guess, is kind of what we're getting at. So something to check out. Yep. Always good to be informed. And also in recent news, a a hero of both Parker and myself, uh, Eddie Van Halen, recently passed away. Yes. As many of you probably already heard, but it's it's difficult to overstate the vast impact that he has had on the music world and needless to say on the guitar world max and i are both guitar players so uh good i mean good luck finding a, a guitar player who has not been impacted by that guy in in some way absolutely yeah I'm, parker and i each have owned actually the same signature eddie van halen amp yeah yeah <laughs> yeah great 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 high gain amp yeah Actually, not not. We were actually playing in a band together, and it looked really good. You know, each yeah. of us playing good aesthetic. PV fifty one fifty. Uh huh. 
Yeah, last thing to touch on as well. Uh, we mentioned in the last episode to email us with any comments or questions or feedback you might have. So please do email us uh, anything that you have to say about Tigran, if you checked him out maybe for the first time or you learned something. Uh, also in regards to what we're about to talk about, we would love to hear from you. That is the Musicians Musician Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of stuff that these artists have put out that we don't talk about. For example, Tigran has quite a bit on YouTube that is phenomenal. And with us covering Napalm Death in this episode, there is an exceptional amount of material. Yeah, uh, like, a, not- like a stupid amount of material. So we'll only be talking <laughs> about, we'll mostly just be referencing studio, like major studio releases, but they appear on loads of compilation albums and they've released a billion demos and other eps there is a lot of napalm death content out there if you really want to dive into that yep and so if you have a favorite thing or think there's something super important let us know because we're probably super into it whether we're hip to it or not yes uh and in that spirit let's kind of dive in as we just mentioned we are covering napalm death which by the sounds of it, really could go any direction, but if your inkling is that it's probably a metal band, you would be correct. They are very oftentimes regarded as the fathers of grindcore, and if you hear grindcore and you're wondering what the hell does that mean, we'll dive more into that later, but suffice it for the time being to say that it is a very extreme form of heavy music. Yeah, I think... Well, <laughs> when I think of Napalm Death sound, to me, that is the exact sound that I picture someone having in their head who doesn't know anything about metal and is terrified of it. Yeah. <laughs> it like, the, like the suburban mom that is just extremely conservative and terrified of Metallica or... I, or, I mean, anything that's you know not like soft Christian rock or adult contemporary... <laughs> their their picture of anything aggressive or metal is napalm death and that's actually you know there's there's a reason for that you know <laughs> yes yeah 100 percent. this is the band that your mom was afraid that you would maybe discover someday so well yeah yes and no i mean they're really not into the whole satanism thing and you know this isn't black metal. Like they're not burning churches. Yeah, but they think they probably it, it that's a whole different discussion. We we could do a whole <laughs> we could do a whole series on the you know, the misconceptions that are placed on the metal world, especially with like the whole uh, West Memphis 3 story and with all the Marilyn Manson debacle and Slayer and all that crap. But but yeah. that is uh, not what we're talking about. So we wanted to talk about Napalm Death, though, because they really are one of those bands that have impacted the music industry in a way that you probably would not think that they do. We are referencing more the heavier side of music, but it's not just like super, super heavy music. I mean, even much more mainstream metal and hard rock bands have been tremendously influenced by Napalm Death on levels involving attitude and approach and different approaches to riffing and to drumming and integrating all those things together. 
Uh, they are an extremely important band that find their way into pop culture in ways that you probably just wouldn't think about. Yeah, there's there is someone that you've listened to or a reference that you know that Napalm Death is very much at the center of, and I think I think I can say that unequivocally, unequivocally, unequivocally. There, sure, there we go. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe you, <laughs> or don't. But definitely, <laughs> what we're wanting to get into here, uh, like Max mentioned, we aren't necessarily hoping that you're digging into Napalm Death by the end of you, this. You don't need to like Napalm Death. Yeah. like, But you do need to appreciate them. Yes. There is a lot to unpack with this type of music, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to demonstrate what that artistry is and what the value of it is. Uh, and we're going to attempt to do that by laying out a lot of uh, foundational underpinnings of the band from a historical and a cultural context and discussing a little bit of the attitude and countercultural movements that were informing this style. What is all of that coming out of? What is happening actually in the music? Because I feel like a lot of times people might listen to this and it kind of just sounds like noise at a first glance, but it, it is really a complex web of beauty if you cho- <laughs> if you choose to look at it that way. But I, I think objectively, though, it, it's, it's hard to say that there isn't something significant going on here. Absolutely. I mean, I think you can you can reasonably say that certain things are noise, but the, but there but that does not mean that they are not of significant value. Definitely. So, with that lengthy prelude, uh, let's kind of dig into what we're talking about here. We can't talk about Napalm Death, even though we categorize them as a grindcore band or like an extreme metal death metal kind of a band. We can't talk about Napalm Death without talking about punk. And this is a very messy thing to get into because if you know anybody who is a true quote-unquote punk, uh, the history to these people is very important. So we're not going to dig too much into the history of this because I don't want to stir up any controversy. But that's all to say... They were formed in England in the early 80s, which at the time there was a lot of punk going on and a lot of movements within the punk world happening, particularly uh, within anarcho-punk movements and crust-punk movements, both of which went on to inform what Napalm Death was doing on a lot of levels. So to that end, the beginnings of the band were very torrential, I guess you could say. The membership and the personnel of the band was changing constantly that is to say currently in the band there is not a single original member and in fact we don't really see the current lineup that we have today until 1991 it there there does end up being a little bit of a change they used to have two guitar players and the second guitar player left because of health uh, concerns in the early 2000s but since 1991 with that exception the lineup has been Pretty much the same. So just for a bit of context, that's about 10 years of extreme upheaval. I guess not upheaval, but extreme... uh, There's the word for that. Oh my gosh, there is a word for that. (laughs) I can't think of it. Yeah, anyway, the the band was essentially a a, a revolving door of members for 10 years. Most of the big bands that you know of 
have had a couple of people move in and out. Like the Beatles had like one lineup change. Metallica had like just a small handful other than the bassist problem. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there, there are a few bands that have been around for so long that have so much turbulence in their lineup. So you have these first two albums. Well, so there actually weren't any studio albums put out for the first about, I don't know, like seven or eight years. And then in uh, 1987, the first album comes out, and they had an almost consistent lineup for the first two albums, and then they really started evening out. Yeah, and in those early days, too, some important things happened. So Scum is the first major studio release, and it's very much regarded as one of the most influential albums in the grindcore world. And it's tricky to talk about because if you just go and look up Scum, go pull up Scum by Napalm Death right now. It kind of don't sound, listen to it. It kind of sounds like it's not the most pleasant sounding album you'll ever find in your life. The playing isn't great. The production is horrendously bad, abysmal. What's sad though is that the content, were it executed at a very high level, it would have been an incredible album and like would would hold up today as a very good like it would probably just sound like a pig destroyer album honestly which is also a well-known grindcore band yeah yeah well yeah thanks max (laughs) shortly after scum shane embry joins the band and he is a powerhouse bass player ends up being a very uh crucial sound for the band uh and then we also have Barney Greenway, who is the current vocalist, joined the band in 1989. Uh, And after he joined, his first release with the band was Harmony Corruption. And that came out in 1990. And that really sounds just sort of like like a typical death metal album, I guess you could say. Which, the only reason I bring that up is the fan response to that album was that they felt like they were getting too mainstream and that they were selling out, which... Think about that for a second. <laughs> you're in an extreme genre, and your fans think you're selling out because you've entered a different extreme genre. Yeah. So I thought that was <laughs> kind of funny. Like, having said that, I, I, I really enjoyed the album myself. Well, So if you were to listen to Napalm Death's catalog from, I guess, chronologically... You're going to listen to first Scum, then you're going to listen to From Enslavement to Obliteration, and then you'll hit Harmony Corruption, and there is a drastic contrast. It is a night and day different band. I mean, personnel-wise, it's uh, I mean, it's half different, pretty much, but the vocalist Lee Dorian has left, who's been extremely active in the scene. Um, His name will come up all over the place if you're looking in grindcore and all sorts of other metal genres. But this is when they basically hit their stride. They've got almost the current lineup. They'll switch out and get a new drummer shortly after, but then it's pretty much steady. And I do very briefly want to mention um, Mick Harris was the drummer for Scum as well as From Enslavement to Obliteration and on Harmony Corruption. And he's a very important drummer for the metal world. He's, there's, again, there's a lot of debate about the validity of this, um, but he's largely credited with being one of the guys who really brought the blast beat to prominence in 
kind of the more extreme metals, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the significance of the blast beat a little bit later. But he was an important guy. But then we have Danny Herrera into the band. Uh, and he is also a powerhouse drummer, though. He he really brought the the style that was placed before him really to kind of another level. It, it was it's a very different drive happening. And the albums that were happening throughout the 90s were uh, mostly just really solid work, especially considering that it was happening in, in the 90s. It, it really makes me think about Death, uh, where which the is another... Death. The band Death which is another like important uh, death metal band from the 90s where it's like the, the music holds up today. Like just really great writing and, uh, and playing all around. Yeah, and, and you, you can kind of hear different eras of, of sound with Napalm Death, which I think is really cool. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the style and kind of their progression of style. But they, they started working with producers as they become a larger and larger band, they have obviously more of a budget. We're in, we're still in the time when bands are on labels and have budgets. Uh, that is not so much the case now. Uh, yeah. be, being in the studio world, a band will come in or be working with a label, and they do not have very much money um, to work with, even on a major label, which is really sad. But that's the world we live in. But back in the day, they had a lot of money, and... You know, even in an extreme genre like this, there was probably something. You know, I can't, I can't. I mean, speak people to that. were still buying albums, right? Like, yeah. But, but that is a significant point, though, because there's an there's an important departure that happens in the latter part of the '90s, where Napalm Death parts with Earache, which was the label that they were with, uh, over complaints that basically that Earache was keeping too much money, which historically is the complaint from bands in regards to the label that they're signed with but napalm death left but we got a really cool album after that which is one of my favorite albums that they do it's called enemy of the music business it's a very reactionary album especially in in light of that departure from their label but it gets like really really angry again and starts sounding more like prototypical grindcore um, I guess you could say, whereas a lot of the albums throughout the 90s were, in my opinion, sound a little bit more akin to death metal and extreme metal. Again, we'll, we'll kind of break down the difference between all of these different subgenres genres we're throwing around. Yeah. I do want to point out that was also the transition from working with producer Colin Richardson to working with producer Russ Russell, who are both hu- huge names. I mean, Napalm Death has also worked with Scott Burns and Andy Sneap, who are extremely notable producers but they've been working with russ russell since then he's he's either engineered produced and or mixed everything since enemy of the enemy of the state or excuse me (laughs) (laughs) enemy of the music business wow i'm i'm really getting into this uh this uh anarchist thing yeah yeah There's there's really a lot more to say about what they were doing, but they were, like we mentioned, they were interacting with, it, it's interesting to see the evolution of the scenes that they're interacting with throughout the history of the band. Like we mentioned in the early days, they were really a big part of the punk scene, but punk really started playing a big role on like the more extreme metal genres as well. Um, and so while they were playing with kind of more of the punk side of things in the early 80s and mid 80s, we start getting into the early 90s, and they're touring with 
pretty heavy hitting early thrash and death metal bands like uh, like Obituary or uh, Morbid Angel or Sepultura or Machine Head or Entombed or you know a- any of these guys in which all of their names sound like metal bands, right? But but now they're they've made a shift since then too. I mean, the bands that they're touring with now are extremely different from the bands that they've been touring with. And you can hear this as their style progresses too, which I think is really cool. I mean, the most recent tour they were, well, at least that I know of specifically, was the Slayer, uh, the last Slayer tour. So they're on tour with Slayer and Anthrax and... Um, Lamb of God. Behemoth. Yeah, Behemoth, Lamb of God, uh, Testament. So Definitely. actually, sorry, they were they weren't with Behemoth. <clears throat> Behemoth uh, traded out with them mid tour, right? Yeah, but definitely sharing the stage with bigger names in the in the metal world. Which so also let's put that in contrast when you're playing a punk show. So England is like one of the birthplaces of punk, but you're still playing grungy, cruddy little venues like places that like my mom has seen me play at some venues and like she's probably scared for her life. <laughs> and <laughs> all of our moms yeah. have been there. Yeah. yeah, you know it's 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 that uh, that poor woman, yeah. but um, that's you know these these guys are playing in just terrible, grungy, awful places. But now they're playing to sold out stadiums, and is really cool as a commentary on society's acceptance of metal and aggressive music. Definitely. Well, and also you have like the advent of these really big festivals happening too, right? Which which is really like Vakken, for example has bands like Napalm Death or like uh or like Bloodbath or or you know bands that are you would not think are playing on big stages are now playing on huge stages to like tens of thousands of people there's that are just there for them you know right it's it's funny so so Napalm Death just released an album like a month ago and so they've been doing a lot of lot of press which means that there's a lot of interview material to read up on and one i uh was checking out was an interview that barney greenway the vocalist did with the vocalist uh jamie josta who is the vocalist for a uh, hate breed josta brought up an interesting point where he was he basically was saying that napalm death is one of those figures in pop culture where most people probably haven't heard of them but they've been so influential and impactful on how people are doing things from the standpoint of an attitude and like how they're philosophizing about the music and their approach to the music that like, it wouldn't be weird if Napalm Death got booked for like a Coachella or like a Lollapalooza or something like that. Like it would not be at all surprising to see them pop up on one of those stages uh, just because of how they've weaved themselves into the web of pop culture and, and music and arts and all of that. So just before we before we dive a little bit more into like the uh, stylistic approaches of the band, just a couple of fun uh, anecdotes. Uh, maybe you might think it's fun. I think they're pretty. I fun. think they're fun. Yeah. So so one that I particularly enjoyed learning about uh, the band was scheduled to play in the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, which is, if I'm remembering correctly, it's a natural history museum, but it's got uh, a lot of priceless items in there there's a lot of fragile chandeliers and vases and uh things of that sort and they were supposed to be playing that venue but uh, as we'll talk about in diving more into the style if you go to a napalm death concert it's 
loud. It's really, really loud. And the museum curators were terrified that the band were just going to destroy these priceless pieces. So the show got canceled. Maybe they were canceled for noise concerns. Maybe they were canceled for other reasons that are behind closed doors. But I thought that was a fun story nevertheless. Another one uh, is that there's a a moment that you can find this on YouTube or whatever. There's, There's an interview from like the earlier mid 90s where Jim Carrey is on a late night talk show and he's talking about how he's discovered this band called Napalm Death and I mean more or less caricaturizes the style just you know does his Jim Carrey thing talking about Napalm Death I mean use your imagination or just look it up it's not hard to find but I I found an interview with Barney Greenway and they asked him about that interview and it wouldn't have been surprising if he had maybe been a little bit put off by that or just flat out didn't care that Jim Carrey talked about him. But his response was that of that Jim was probably a fan of the band. And there's a famous scene in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, where Cannibal Corpse, uh, another really important and uh, popular actually, extreme metal band. Actually, the highest selling uh, death metal band in the United States, uh, North America, I believe. That's not... That's not surprising to me at all. But so Cannibal Corpse appears in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, but there's rumors that it was supposed to be Napalm Death, but for some reason it ended up being Cannibal Corpse. Um, Bummer. Yeah. I, I've got a couple fun ones really quick. Yeah. There's a British uh, British children's educational TV, TV show called What's That Noise? <laughs> where they introduced all sorts of different... different <laughs> man, I can't get through this without laughing all these different styles and genres and somehow like scum era napalm death. I I don't know exactly what year it was, but the, from the, the the clip that I saw, the vocals were exact, just straight out of scum, just completely unintelligible. And I, I take a lot of pride, perhaps very false, you know, naively and thinking I can understand a lot of metal vocals like ag- aggressive harsh vocals but man you can't understand anything <laughs> and these this is being broadcast into people's homes for like a children's British, show too of all things yeah like this is this is what like mothers are you know get, like exposing their like five-year-old children to <laughs> and they, they have an interview with the band it's really funny it's <laughs> it's definitely worth looking up uh, but also scott pilgrim versus the world some of the music in that was actually uh, potentially inspired by Napalm Death. So, see, check that out. They're everywhere. So that was just part one of our Napalm Death episode. We hope you enjoyed it and got a bunch out of it. There's been so much to unpack with this, and what's to come in episode two is going to be just as good, if not better. So we hope you stay tuned. There's so much to dive into with this band and so much importance that really is cornered on them and their development and everything that goes into their band. So we hope you stay tuned. We hope you listen to the next episode and we hope you drop us a line. Let us know how you feel, what you thought about the episode. If you have thoughts on the Tigran Hamasyan episode, episodes in the future, really anything, give us a shout out at the Musicians Musician Podcast at gmail.com. Peace.